Welcome, y'all, to The Eight. I'm excited about this series, and I maybe let me kind of start with this. You and I might watch, you know, the local news or national news, or you might see someone that you heard of, like a, a big a politician, a leader, an influencer. You might see someone on the news, or you might heard of someone who had this very like, prestigious role. And then all of a sudden, news comes out of that person. Of a, they're exposed. Like this deep, dark secret comes out about that person. You know, it could be like a very big le- a leader, a politician. All of a sudden, the secret life in which it was kind of hush-hush, all of a sudden comes out. And it comes to the surface. And all of a sudden, you and I, who we, who had, who we had this high esteem and reverence for this person. We love this person. All of a sudden, you hear about this affair, this relationship, this, you know, you know how, what they're doing with their finances. You hear something about their life, and all of a sudden, you look at them differently. And they become exposed. This dark part of their life comes out. And you know what you and I say when we, you know what we say, maybe out loud or in our head, when we see that person, when, when they're exposed, like you see this dark secret part of their life come out? Do you know what you and I think? Or maybe sometimes we say it out loud. If I were them, that would never happen to me. If I were them, that would never happen to me. I, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I, couldn't, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. How, 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 can, how can that person go back to, you know, to his wife or to his husband? How, how can that person preach? Well, you know, when this, how can that, so far this one, right? You all of a sudden, you, you, you begin to look at that person and you tell yourself, like, that would never happen to me. Or I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I was in that position, as far as living a double life. And I, I want to make this clear like from the beginning, because this is kind of driving our, our, our three-part series for today. Maybe right now, you and I could look at that person and say, that, that would never happen to me. That would never happen to me. But it's not like that person woke up and says, you know what, today will be a great day to screw up my life and to live that double life. It happens gradually. It begins with a drift. It begins with a drift. So maybe right now you would not. But if our soul, the inner part of our life, is unattended, if we don't take care of that inner part of our life, if it's not managed, if it's not taken taken care of, and we just kind of go with life and just live a life of passivity, then easily we will wake up to the point, I'm sorry, where it's hard for ourselves to look ourselves in the mirror. How did I get to this point? I would have never imagined that I would reach this point. We went from zero to 100 real quick on this topic because this topic is extremely personal and very important to me. And this is why we're calling this topic the series Soul Wellness. I don't even know if that makes any sense at all, to be honest, soul wellness. But the reason why I wanted to do this is because the word wellness, I, I don't know if it's just me. I feel like that word is being used all the time and overused, like wellness, like b- body, soul, spirit, wellness, and whatever, yoga, wellness, and like, so, oh, a, a well, what's a wellness expert? Forgive me if, I'm, if you're a wellness expert, but what, what does that mean, a wellness expert? No, and, and I get this. I saw certified wellness expert. Who made, like, who, who determines you're certified? Did somebody just say, here's a paper, I printed it on PDF, you're a certified wellness expert? What does that mean? A, what's, a, what's a wellness expert? So I feel, I, this is happening, and believe me, I can say, I don't want to talk about it because it's kind of off topic, but I read a blog post about, uh, about uh, sexual wellness. And it is the most distorted, perverted approach to sexuality. But, hey, put the word wellness in it. This must be good. This must be good for my health, right? You just add the, add the word wellness to anything. All of a sudden, subconsciously, it's subconsciously. We think it's good, right? So it's wellness. So, so I, I have no idea what's a wellness expert. And forgive me if you're here or watching, listening, and you're, and you're, you're a, a wellness expert. 
educate me. I don't even know what that means because that's such a broad term, but it sounds nice. It sounds good. It sounds organic, right? It sounds like somebody's a wellness expert. It sounds like something good for my health. So I don't even know what that means. Totally off topic. <laughs> Another thing I don't understand at all, because I was, I was about to, I wanted to go to this church conference about um, like how a church building can be like a light to the city. So I, I was about to sign up for this conference. And then I looked at it and I looked at the speakers and they said, uh, thought leaders will be there. They're b- big thought leaders. I closed that tab immediately. What, what is a thought leader? You are a thought leader. I'm a thought leader. I, I don't want to learn from a thought leader. You are a thought So I, I closed that. I, anybody that gives the title thought leader or wellness expert, forgive me. I, I'm done. I don't want to hear from you. And, and I'm, I'm sorry if I offended anybody, but I just, I'm saying this from lack of education. I don't understand these terms, but I don't know. To me, it's just a turn off. It's just a turn off. So, but today, we're going to be talking about, for the, this three-part series, soul wellness. But not in a relative way of saying wellness, just like a, I, I define what wellness is, not just a broad term as far as wellness is concerned. No. Looking at the author of life for us to determine what wellness is, right? Instead of following relative data and relative terms for someone to make me feel nice inside and that's an, a wellness expert, why don't I go to the author of biology, the author of sexuality, the author of my inner life, the author of my soul? He is the wellness expert. So we are going to go into the inner life, the soul, and ask the certified wellness expert, with a capital E expert, when it comes to the inner life. You already know this. The health of your soul determines if there will be two versions of yourself. The health of your soul will determine if there's two versions of yourself. Like, you and I have a temptation where we can look a certain Christian way on Sunday, but we get home, we're completely different. Work, that, that, group, of, that, that group of coworkers, that, 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 that activity out, uh, outside of work, we're a completely different person. And it's easy, temporarily, it's easy to have two versions. It's Temporarily, it's easy. Eventually, it becomes draining. It becomes your, your, your fatigue by trying to manage these two versions. But the health of your soul will determine if you're able, sorry, the health of your soul determines if there will be two versions of yourself. So it's, it's, there is a, a, an inclination, there's a drift where it's easy for us to look Christian. Like everyone here looks nice and cute. We all, we all look like good Christians. It's easy. But then it's easy then to go on that app, that setting. And we're a completely different person. The health of your soul determines if there will be two versions of yourself. But you know what? Let's do, since we're talking about wellness and everything, soul wellness. Let's do a wellness check for a second. Let's do a wellness check. There's two options when it comes to a wellness check, which is kind of going to drive our series here. First option, which you could do, is you manage. You manage the, 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 the Christian, the good person, the, the good worker, the good spouse, the good friend, like, that you can manage that part, and then you also manage that other part of you, that, that, that secret part of you. 
Like, so you manage these two, these two aspects. And you know, you're good, you're smart. You know how to turn the button on for this a part of you, and then when to turn that button off. When you're a good Christian, you know, you know how to do all that stuff, and then you know how to turn that button off when it comes to this. So you manage these two versions of yourself, right? So that's a wellness check as far as I can manage these two versions. I can do it, you know what I mean? I, I know in these settings, I say these types of jokes. I, I talk this certain type of way. But this group, no, no, no. I got, I got to turn on the whole Christianese and, and kind of talk like the type of language. I'm a good Christian. So where I'm able to manage these two versions of myself. So as far as my wellness check, I can approach life this way as far as managing two versions of myself. Or I can come to the wellness expert, capital E, and ask him, you manage my life as you deemed fit, as a fourth century Christian father by the name of St. Basil put down. You manage my life as you seem fit. When I go with option two, talking about our wellness check, this is when I begin to close the gap between the two versions of myself. But believe me, I'm telling you, all of us, all of us, all of us, have a tendency to want to master two versions of ourselves. We want to, because we want the best of both worlds. We want to. But eventually, I'm telling you, it will catch up with us, and then you cannot stand looking at yourself in the mirror. And you'll end up saying, how did I get myself into this position? But when someone else does it on the news, I would never do that. How do they get, how do they, how can they live with themselves? There's an early church father, monk, who was actually extremely influential, a great leader in the monastic movement, if you look at church history as a whole. I, honestly, even if you go talk to Catholic monks and you ask them, you know, who's the founding father or who's one of the great fathers of monasticism? And they would say, I'll kind of throw this out, who, what would they say? St. Anthony the Great. They would say St. Anthony the Great, who, who is Coptic himself, and he was the, the, you know, one of the founding fathers and one of the great leaders of the monastic movement for all of Christianity, for all of Christianity. So a wide array of different versions of Christianity who have asceticism and monasticism part embedded into the very fabric of their tradition, they can root that back into the Coptic Orthodox Church by St. Anthony. And I want to just share something St. Anthony said. He said this, It is not death. It is not death that must be feared but the loss of the soul. And I, I, I know this is nothing new. Like I, I know all of you guys already know this. This already makes sense. But Anthony is saying it's not the death that must be feared. Because death, that's a guarantee for all of us, right? T taxes and death, that's a guarantee, right? You're, you're, you're going to have that. that, 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 that you, you can't run away from biology. That's happening. The death of this temporal world, that's happening. But what, what causes more generational pain is the loss of your soul. You do not lose only. The relationships around you lose when you lose your soul. Come on, when you see politicians, you see these leaders, when they, in this dark secret part of their life is exposed, who pays the price? It's not just them. It, 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 it's the family. It's the friends. They say, I, 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 I didn't see that coming. I, I, I didn't even know about it. I didn't know about, it, about, about my spouse, about my, about my dad, about whatever. It, 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 they were able to, to manage it very well. So St. Anthony is saying, it's not the death that must be feared, but the loss of the soul, because the repercussions, the ripple effect, affects you, your soul, your wellness, those around you, your inner circle, and I hate to say it, for generations to come, if it is not managed, if it is not going to the ultimate manager to say, you manage my life as deemed fit. Is there always a chance for a repentant heart and repair? 100%. 100%. But St. Anthony is stating the obvious. <laughs> don't, don't fear death. That's a guarantee. 
Tax is guaranteed. Death is a guarantee. But you should fear the loss of the soul because the impact of that is tremendous. What I want to share with you today is a, a passage written by a big church uh, a planter, if you will, by the name of St. Paul the Apostle. St. Paul the Apostle. So he wrote tons of different letters to different cities around the Mediterranean Rim, and he wrote one to the city of Rome, to the Rome. And Rome would be in what country? Huh? Is it Rome and Greece? Right? Huh? Rome, Italy. Sorry, thank you. So I asked the question, I don't even know the answer. Rome, Italy. Okay. Yeah, so Rome, Italy. So, so St. Paul is writing, is writing a letter to the city of Rome in Italy. So, and, and here's the context of the people in Rome. They understood the whole idea of sacrificing, like sacrificing like, um, like animals. For, they understood the whole idea of like sacrifices. That, that was kind of like a, a thing in many different worldviews as far as sacrifice. So St. Paul is kind of playing on this language, playing on that as he's writing to these early Christian converts in the first century in the city of Rome, Italy. Rome, Italy, okay? So this is what St. Paul had to tell, this is what he told them. Therefore, look at the emotion. Therefore, I urge you. I urge you, brothers and sisters. You see the emotion. You see the relationship. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, not, not God's wrath, not like God pointing his finger at not God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. <laughs> and I'm sure if I was a first century Roman, I'm reading this, uh-uh. Because I know to, to offer as a living sacrifice, that means I die. I, I, I see what happened to that, to, that, to that animal. It got offered and died. I'm not doing that. But St. Paul's urging them, my brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. There is a reflex, especially, especially, let me talk to like the, the seasoned Christians. You're kind of born into the church and you, you just know, you know how to do all the Christian stuff. You know everything, right? The, the, to the seasoned Christians. You and I read this. Yeah. I, I offer, yeah, I give, I donate, yeah, I give 10% after taxes, I, you know, serve, and I, you know, I do this, and I do that, I'm, I'm a good Christian, I, I offer, I offer myself as a living sacrifice, I come to church early, right, you, so you, you begin, you begin to fall, you have all these, you have, you have your reason of why you do offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, there is a temptation for us seasoned Christians, you, you know who you are, you have a answer of why you are a seed, why, why you, how you, you, you don't even have to question, you don't have to look introspectively. You already know, I already offer myself to God. You, 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 you already have an answer of saying, yeah, I've I been there, done that, I do that, St. Paul, move on. We have that tendency. St. Paul continues, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies wholeheartedly as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This, this is your true and proper worship. You know, if you look at the Greek of what St. Paul is saying, he's saying true and proper worship. That word is, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, I think it's like, it's coming from like logi something. It's meaning like logic. This is the logical thing to do, is to offer yourself. He's saying, I'm not just saying something theoretical, something would be nice for you to do. I'm not saying for just for some Christians to do. No, he's saying, this is the logical thing to do. Now that we have seen God in a bod, Jesus, the Christ, and he has come to redeem and restore humanity, my only response to that is to offer myself as a living sacrifice. I go wholeheartedly to, here's the buzzword, to surrender myself wholeheartedly to God. This is the logical response. When I know who God is, and I understand who I am, I understand who he is, my only logical response is to worship him by offering myself wholeheartedly. As I mentioned, 
There's a temptation for us, you and I, to have an answer how you do offer to God. And you check that box, and you're good, right? That's your wellness check. You feel, I'm good. I do offer myself up to God. But St. Paul is elevating the priority of this and elevating the intensity of this because St. Paul is trying to avoid us from being passive, to compartmentalize this aspect of my life, being a Christian, and this aspect not. He's wanting us essentially to check our soul, to avoid us having two faces, two versions of ourselves in which we manage. Because come on, if you look back at your biggest regret in your life and in my life, it was a season of life in which God was just an insurance uh, you know, package. When, 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 like God, uh, yeah, sure, I'm a Christian, yeah, sure. But when things get, you know, bad, then, sure, then I'll come to church, then I'll fast, then I'll go to liturgy, then I'll go to the, right? It's just an insurance package. Like when we look back, it wasn't a time of life in which I'm fully surrendering and, and offering myself as, and going all into God. No, I mean, if we are honest with ourselves, it was a season of life where I just viewed God as just a, as just a forgiver and just an insurance plan. Sure, I could do the whole Christmas, Easter, church every now and then. It was just, a, it was just a, a season of life where we put God and church to the side just as an insurance backup plan. If we look back, and then you know what happens when we look back at that regret and that poor decision and that poor relationship, that poor move, whatever the case might be, when we look back at that regret, when we look back at it, then we ask God, God, where are you? Well, then we begin to pray, God, why have you allowed this to happen in my life? We behave our, ourselves in a certain way because we're passive. We're living these two versions of ourselves in which we're trying to manage. We act, we behave a certain way. And then all of a sudden, we ask God to, and we pray to get us out of that. So we behave a certain way, and then we feel like I can just pray to get myself out of that situation. But why don't, why don't I take a preventative measure as opposed to an interventional measure and decide wholeheartedly to surrender to God? For it not to be a Sunday thing, for it not to be a 10% thing, for it not to be a, a you know, there's two versions of myself in which I manage. But St. Paul's inviting us to offer ourselves wholeheartedly. He continues. Do not offer just like, you know, a, a part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Again, he's trying, he's trying to break off the compartmentalizing, I don't know how to, what's the word? He's trying to prevent us from compartmentalizing two versions of ourselves. He's saying, don't, just, don't, offer any part, don't, don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. He continues. But rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. He's saying, go all in. Don't compartmentalize. Don't say you're Christian on Sunday and that's it. No, he's, he's encouraging us, inviting us to go all in because I'm telling you, th- this is where life is. Not approaching God and the church as an insurance backup plan. He's inviting us. This is where you find the fullness of life, where you go all in to say, I'm done managing these two versions. You manage me. This is where life is. St. Paul says this. Also in the same letter he's writing to Rome. For sin shall no longer be your master. Be honest. and Definitely don't raise your hand. You and I, have felt or experienced, maybe we are experiencing, sin being our master. We're so entrapped by that thing, by that habit. We're enslaved. We, I can't get myself out of this habit, out of this addiction. We understand being mastered by something else. For sin shall no longer be your master. Why? Because you're not under the law, but under the grace of God. 
continues. Do not conform. Don't conform to the pattern of life of what's in it for me. Don't just conform to the, the, what's the trend happening on TikTok. Don't just conform yourself to the trend of, well, everyone else is doing this. So I guess it's not that bad. Don't just fall into the trends of just leaning on alcohol, leaning on porn, leaning on, don't conform yourself to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying it, it begins here, but it has to be a renewal. It has to be a renewal. For the, another Greek word. Does anybody know what's the, what's the Greek word in which St. Paul is saying here, renew your mind? Everyone want to tell me? I know some of you know, so you can say it. Uh, close. So, so it's metanya, metanoia. So meta is to transform. Noia is mind. So it's St. Paul saying, change your mind. And this is why in this ancient Christian church, this 2,000-year-old church, the posture of a prostration is I'm putting my head down. I'm, 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 I'm renewing myself by putting the old self down and rising as someone new. So this is why this expression of this verse is an action, is a posture in Orthodox Christianity. So he's saying, do not conform. Don't just fall into this path of what's in it for me. Don't be sucked into materialism, consumerism, individualism, any of these diseases that exist in post-Christian America. Don't get sucked into all that because I promise you, you will wake up and you'll realize I've been living these two versions of myself. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, here comes the, the, the kicker. So be, become, don't, don't, don't just get sucked in to the things of the temporal world, but, be, but renew your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasure, and perfect will. What is that million-dollar question, that timeless question? What is God's will for my life? What, what does God want for me? don't complicate it. It requires a surrender. The prerequisite to that is a surrender. Don't, don't, don't manage these two versions and then say, God, what's, what, what's, 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 what's your will for my life? Well, God's saying, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who are you. <laughs> are you the Sunday version? Are you the version that goes to life group? Are you the version, like, wh I don't, who are you? Are you that secret part of it? God's trying to figure out. But St. Paul's encouraging, don't conform to the patterns of this world. This will leave you empty. This will leave you burnt out. But if you renew your mind in him, then this is where you'll have full clarity of God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He wants that for you and me. But it requires us, as far as our soul wellness is concerned, that first exercise for this week is surrendering. It's a nasty word. It, it's counterintuitive to surrender. We want control. We want control. But where we find life in the fullness of God and his church is the prerequisite of surrendering. We'll get to this in a second. It's how this 2,000-year-old church cleanses us from the reflex within us of, no, no, me, I got it. That, that, that part of you and me, that little voice, I got it. I, I, can, I, I can manage these, these two parts. That part of us, we'll get to the prayers the church gives us in a very ancient prayer book called the Egbeya. We'll, we'll get to that. Maybe some of us are thinking, you know what? I wish I heard this six months ago. I wish I heard this two years ago. I wish I heard this when I was in high school. I get it. 
but it is never too late. You and I can make a decision today to amputate that version of us, which maybe not many people know about, that we, we feel like we can manage. We can cut that off, but let me not just say this in a nice Sunday school way like you can do it. This is hard work. This is tough stuff. But if you lean in toward God to the point of surrendering, and if you're willing to put in the work to give him that part of you, which you're not really proud of, you don't really like, but you're just so sucked into it because it's your master, if you're willing to give that to God, be prepared for hard work. But you are not in this alone. You are not the first. And because of the brokenness of this world, you are not the last. But I don't want us to wake up and for us to look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, how did I get to this point? You can't stand those other people when, they, when, you, when they're exposed. Like, how can they live with themselves? And then if we're not checking the wellness of our soul, we'll wake up and ask, how did I get to this point myself? But it requires us to surrender. So the first exercise for our wellness check here, for our soul, asking the certified wellness expert, surrender. Nice in theory. It requires work. It requires intentionality. What we'll do now, we'll stand, and I want us to pray these ancient prayers in which you will find in the back of this prayer book that I mentioned. There's tons at the connection table if you want to grab one yourself. And these are prayers the church gives us. And as you can see, there's like a fill-in-the-blank where, you know, like you can add your own, own issue, ask, give God that thing that's kind of weighing you down, maybe that part, that, that other part of you that you're trying to manage. Not the good Christian part now. This is a good part, right? But that other part of you, maybe that's what you put in the blank. But when we pray this now, we'll pause. And you add your thing and your heart. Don't read the prayers on the, on, the, on the screen, but pray it. And the church doesn't just say pray it once. Definitely the Orthodox Church doesn't say just pray it twice. But let it be embedded into the very fabric that it's under your breath. This will allow us to hear those sweet words. Well done. Well done. Ain't, there ain't no two versions of you. You're whole. Let's stand together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, you are aware that I do not know what is good for me. Let's pray this all together. Lord, you are aware that I do not know what is good for me, and now I'm about to start. How can I know if it is right unless you guide me with your grace? O Lord, I beseech your guidance in this matter. Do not let me follow my tendencies if it will cause me to be confused and fall. Keep me from slipping. Help me and let it be according to your will. If you see it fit, grant me your blessing to complete it. If not, remove this desire from my heart. You know all things. Nothing is concealed from you. 
Lord, I am your servant. Deal with me as you see fit, as I realize that I will have neither success nor peace unless I submit myself to your will. Teach me to say in every occasion, let it be according to your will, Lord, not according to my own. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray another one together. Grant me your grace, O Lord Jesus, the long-suffering, and be with me that I may dwell in you unto the end. Grant me that I may ask and wish always for what is pleasing to you. Let your will be my will. Let my will follow always your will and be in accord with it in a perfect way. Let both of us have one will, for I don't want to desire anything except what you want and what you wish. Grant me not to lust for the things of this world, that I may dwell in you in all things and hold above all things the desire to be as you would have me to be and to do as you would have me do. You are the peace of my heart and the shelter of my life. You are the real peace and the only comfort, and apart from you, everything is hard and confusing. Therefore, in this peace, which is in you, the great eternal good, I am able to rest, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, I pray that through this series that we come and bring to the surface that part of us which we know is not part of your beautiful design for us. Lord, we ask that you cleanse us to restore us, and we know it is there. And our part, and which we want to come to you with, is to surrender. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.